0: I'm Christian Bush. And I'm Cindy Watts. Welcome to our podcast, 52. 52.
1: I turned 52 this year, believe it or not, and I am releasing 52 songs to celebrate. This podcast looks at the relationship between my 52 new songs and 52 of my most popular songs from my back catalog with plenty of stories and laughs along the way. What I what I love, what you're talking about, uh, tennis shoes, is very true. I love the new trend in tennis shoes being like formal wear to some degree as human beings, which then makes our children a little bit more like, hmm, I want those shoes, particular shoes.
0: Oh, my son, who was going to be 10 in a few weeks was born a shoe snob not just for himself but also for me mommy your shoes and your belt don't match
1: you've you've said this before oh yeah you you talk about it
0: he's mommy you know he, he hates to shop but we will spend four hours shopping for the perfect pair of sneakers
1: his his sneakers or yours oh
0: no his sneakers he wants them to have a loop in the back so we can pull his foot into them. He wants them to have Velcro. He does not want them to tie. If we find shoes that tie, and they're the only ones that he likes, I have to buy the laces that you don't have to tie. Ah, uh, the elastic laces. Uh, yes, elastic laces to go, ah, yes! to go in But them. we
1: already know that some of this is real and was a real in our time. I mean, you remember like the the Velcro,
0: who are they, kangaroo shoes or something? That you yeah. yeah. I forget, but it, it had a little pouch on it or something. I I don't remember. I remember the ones that light up. He does not want them to light up. They cannot. They either have to come over his ankle like a high top or under his ankle like a low slung sneaker. They cannot hit his ankle. That's amazing. Therefore, we now have a love affair with Asics. Oh. Because Asics are cut the appropriate way. He likes Nike high tops.
1: Oh, can I, I? can give you a couple of Asics like secret tips. What's that? There is a secret Asics store in uh, New York in Soho that I always go by, and it's the Tiger
0: really? version of
1: Asics. They were the OG Asics long before anything, and it's very somebody Japanesey bought it, right? Mm-hmm. Some company. And um, remind me as we're going here uh, into holiday season to give you the the what's up. Oh yeah. On. Unidentified, non, like these are ASICs that when you type in ASICs, it doesn't come
0: up. Oh, wow. Because he might blow his mind a little. Oh, that would totally blow his mind. (laughs) Totally (laughs) blow his mind.
1: I just like seeing that my daughter is like going through my closet and seeing stuff like, hmm, so what you doing with that? I'm like, what do you mean? What am I doing with that? It's in my closet. Can I wear it? (laughs) Well. Yes. If you put it back. Okay, good. Thanks. You know, it's like, and then like, like the Dewey decimal system, it's the two jackets to the left and other shirts and it all gets sucked (laughs) into her like thing, And then she goes downstairs. Um, and then there, then there's like the, I start thinking that as a dad, I'm going to like, well, why don't I offer her up these things? I think she wants, right? I'm going to leave these at the top of the stairs Mm -hmm. because you know, she lives in the downstairs and I live in the upstairs. And, uh, it's like, the great monster below the floor that I live on spit uh-huh. up things that it didn't want <laughs> <laughs> and, and kept things that it did. It's a really funny life, but um, it's funny. It's So now I guess, I guess therefore we need some dad jokes. Absolutely. I mean, are there any shoes that your son has picked out that you're like, wow, He's so right.
0: It's subjective. He typically likes more color in footwear than I do. He also is not all that worried about gender norms when it comes to footwear and color. He really wants, and he has for a long time, there's these additional gold adidas in the women's department Did he and uh, when you
1: say gold do you mean the stripes are gold or the whole thing is gold
0: no the stripes are gold the shoe and, is and the white sh- Shoe is white he's wanted them for years he just likes the color gold in anything shoe wise he wants gold shoes
2: mm-hmm.
0: i have not succumbed to that yet <laughs> it's an age thing i think yeah, I, I think he'll grow out of it. The other thing he likes is he, anything soft. He will go through my closet and just touch things until he finds something that is the right texture, and then he'll take it. Um. So there's lots of workout clothes that he now sleeps in that I will never see again. I lost. God love Carrie Underwood. Every Christmas I get a box of uh, oh. Does, do you like her clothes? Um. Uh, yeah. I mean, we're saying that as if they're her clothes.
1: Like somehow it's, she left them for you at the top of the stairs. She did.
0: Carrie dropped them off. And you took them downstairs
1: like my daughter and then spit up the ones you didn't like.
0: Well, Paxton loves them because they are the right texture for him. And I got this long sleeved green shirt a couple of years ago and then I couldn't find it for a while. And it's recently been relocated and he is just happy as a clam in that shirt. So my daughter, on the other hand, could care less.
1: Are you ready to uh, transition from shoes to rolling your eyes at my dad jokes? Okay, then. I would, I'm just, I'm, I, just I think it's an interesting thing. I it. think shoes are, interesting. you were looking at my shoes. You were like, man, yeah, I like your shoes. And I do like, like your shoes. They're, they're retro 80s shoes. They're great. They're throwback Nikes. Mm-hmm. Except they have the loop in the back. I think that's what beget this conversation.
0: The loop. It is. Ready? The loop birthed the shoe conversation. I ordered a chicken and an egg from Amazon. Okay, then. I'll let you know.
1: Whatever. Come on, that's funny.
0: No. Which one came first? Yeah, no. I mean, whatever the the UPS driver decides.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I went to a psychic. I knocked on her door, and she yelled, Who is it? So I left. Of course. None of this is working for you. (laughs) I'm going to have to up my game. You ready? Yep. Let me have it. The weirdest summer job I have ever had was cleaning the monkey cages at our local zoo. That shit was bananas.
2: (sighs) (laughs) Got her.
0: (gasps) That was like a little humor crossbow. I was actually thinking about, like, I've never been to a psychic, but. I did go. How have you never been to a psychic? You're from Sevierville. I know. Did you ever go see Bobby Drowning? ever? No. No. I'd never until the last couple months. um, My British friends are kind of obsessed with, um, they have a particular psychic that they love in in the UK. And for $20, she reads your cards. So we drive to her house. And um, you knock on the door and you go in. And she sits you in her living room and her family's having dinner. In the next room, and you're sitting in her living room that is red and lined with dolls. And what could possibly go wrong? And then she takes you to this other room off to the side.
1: Are they like buying drugs at the same place? Yeah, <laughs> no. Because I'm not sure if twenty bucks is going to get you get uh, it done. Well, oh it
0: was it was twenty, and, and and the explanation was these are these are very old cards. These cards are very old, so I guess that's a thing. Is how old know. the cards are. I, I don't know. It was, it was interesting. Did you find
1: out things? That you didn't, did anything surprise you?
0: Well, it will if it happens.
1: <laughs> I, I personally have a long history with oh, psychic Oh, I know. That's why,
0: I know. That's why I would love a good one here. Like yep. I want like somebody, I don't just want my cards read. I want somebody who's like. I uh, You know, somebody,
1: uh, I think Kelsey knows a great one. I'll ask her.
0: Yeah. I think that's awesome. She knows a great one here. I'm fascinated by it. Totally fascinated. Oh. And and
1: of course the psychic the East Tennessee psychic, the wonderful man Bobby Drennan, he passed away, um, I don't know, ten years ago, eleven years ago. So he's not available anymore. But if it if that was a if he was alive, I would say you need to go there. It will blow your mind. Really. He I mean, he practically raised my brother and I. Really? Yeah. So in uh That's fascinating. Uh, we'll tell the story real quick, just so that everybody you know, you can Think of me, what you will. I don't really care. I'm 52 now. Um, are you 52? I apparently, according to
0: the internet. According to the internet, that's um, all that
1: matters. Uh, Bobby was what they call a seer, which is the East Tennessee version of uh, a psychic that believes in Jesus. Oh, right. So, I didn't even know that. And and um, seers are different mm-hmm. than psychics. They and and each person that has these kinds of touched issues, they all. They all have different skills, mm-hmm. you know, and I didn't realize that till I, I got a little around more than one of them, mm-hmm. but Bobby, um, the, always helped out the police. You know, they came to him a lot to try to wow. f- catch people. And mm-hmm. when I first started seeing him, well, it was cause I guess mom was seeing him and she was like piled into a car with a bunch of her girlfriends from Severeville and was like, yeah, we're going to go see the psychic. Like as if it was something to do for entertainment. Well, yeah. Right. And it turns out that he was so gifted, but so popular that uh, you could, if you asked for an appointment, once you got there, it Mm. was like three or four years before your appointment would come around. No. Cause he was so busy. Three or four years. And, uh, and so mom being my mother, God bless her, Gail Bush, uh, would put her name down with the secretary. Mm-hmm. There at, the, at, at his house and say, Well, if you have any like cancellations or openings, just call me. I'll drive right over. Mm-hmm. Like, I will take the appointment. Yeah. And then, as cancellations started coming in, she would take that appointment. And then, while there, would make another appointment. Mm-hmm. So, she had this weird game where she had started to like hack the system with the psychic so that she could see Bobby every six or seven months. Instead of every four years, because she had these rolling appointments that she kept getting as a result of other people canceling. love it. And the first few times, I guess she just told us to wait in the car, you know, cause he only would see you <laughs> right. for half an hour and it was in his house. And then, uh, I don't know, two or three appointments in and we're playing outside with his dogs, or cats or whatever's at his house. Right. you know, Cause it's just like a, a, a regular brick ranch or something, Yeah, you know, in, in Morristown. And, uh, had us he she, at some point we sat inside and he would see us mm-hmm. and he has this long white haired and he's like almost albino looking eyes and stuff and it's just the sweetest nicest Ooh. man you've ever seen in your life he was the mm-hmm. he it was he was the kind like brother of santa claus is oh, what he looked like love it so gentle and then mom had enough uh one time she had asked her friends to meet her there and they didn't. So she had like three appointments, like three 30 minute appointments. So she gave one of them to me and one to Brandon mm-hmm. and I must not have been 14 or 13. And he would say stuff like, well, you know, he'd be like, here's, let me tell you about your aura and let me tell you about, this is where your health is. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and he was like more guide posting. And at the end of his thing, he would say, oh yeah, when you come across this name or this, is you know, situation I would, if I were you, cause he's talking to a teenager, I would, I would err on the side of this or mm. that, or, you know, make sure not to go in that door at that time. Like that. You mm-hmm. could tell he was giving you like protective stuff, right. uh, but nothing bad, nothing like, well, if you're dating a girl named Jenny, you got to break up now. Like it was never right. that. And we stayed in touch and he guided me all the way through even when Sugarland started, he was like, okay, so here's how this is gonna go. And he called every single thing years ahead of time. Which is why I looked kind of super chill all the time. Because you knew what was in the Sugarland game, because there's a chance I had thought about it from my reading two or three years ahead of time. I love it. Right? To where I was like, hmm, okay, okay unlikely that i believe you bobby but in the case that you're right that's gonna be cool oh yeah right so uh when he passed away i just didn't really have a lot of of uh i I, when my mom died i I wouldn't call him anymore i wouldn't go see him i was too scared because i didn't want to i was so like traumatically affected by my mom's death because it happened so suddenly that i just didn't want to sit with the psychic and hear anything about what they had to say about what I should be feeling. Yeah. Or, or even if they were to uh, weirdly have communication, you know, right. like a lot of them have that. So, uh, I just didn't really dive back into that world until about, well, I don't know, four or five years ago. There's a great channeler I'd been turned on to in Atlanta
0: mm-hmm.
1: and she's great. She's fantastic. She's like, Oh yeah. So this musical thing's going to happen. Just like calm down. You know, it's not going to happen at the time you think it is, but then it's going to happen. And then blah, blah, And like recently what she's been telling me was like, um, what was the last piece of advice that got?" It was like, hey, you need to move all your stuff out of stocks because <laughs> the the economy is going to get really weird. So put it somewhere nice and safe. I, I think the biggest piece about psychics um, or anybody that's in that world is my mom had a great attitude on it which I try to impart on all my friends, which is you got to make sure that you are clear that what you're walking into is 50% entertainment. Absolutely. Which means spend plenty of money. Don't, don't go to the $20 card reader. You can go to the $200 card reader, right? But just understand that, uh, half of what you hear is just going to be entertainment sake. And the other half is probably, if they're good, they're giving you the correct information. Yeah. She also warned my brother and I that not to let the way you see the information right now affect the information. So she was like, because Bobby used to write everything down and he would record it mm-hmm. for you because you're so kind of mind blown during your 30 minute session that it's hard to remember. everything. Right. So he both wrote it down and gives you a recording so you can go back and listen to it. And I still That's have great. all my tapes and everything. Yeah. But when you go back two or three years later and you look at those notes or listen to those sessions, you now understand what he's talking about. Right. But you were putting in infra- for you, you're like so-and-so, so-and-so Tom. Mm-hmm. Right at the end, he gives you these names and sort of things to pay attention to. And at the time, Tom was this whack ass neighbor I had who was fighting me against a fence. Like, The fence goes here and blah, 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 blah. And he's like, look, Tom's going to be one of your like biggest allies and biggest confidants. And you need to trust him and support him in any way you can. And I was so mad because the psychic had told me to love my neighbor who I hated. And I was like, well, that's very Jesus of him. You know, (laughs) like I was pretty pissed. Turns out months, six, seven months later, I started working at this studio with Sugarland where the second engineer's name was Tom. It became Tom Tapley who became one of my best f- friends and my employee for 15 years. Right. I built my whole thing. Like it just, y- you put the wrong things on the information. So mom's advice was to be patient yeah. with the reading because it might look like one thing because of the way you're thinking about it right now. But if you'll just understand that readings like that are also out of time. Yeah. They're not constrained by time. Um, ooh, what a great jumping point. Uh, there you go. these next two songs are also un- not constrained by time. The final song on 52 uh New Blue, the last song on the record, is called Put a Dent in It. Mm-hmm. And I paired it with um a song that I produced in the mid-90s for a uh movie that you might or might not have seen called uh, me myself and irene and uh is jim carrey uh was that a jim carrey one no it's it's it, that's not the jim carrey one that's the uh it's the farley brothers farley are the ca- is fa- it farley Fairley, farley brothers they're the producer. they're the directors and the writers they were obsessed with one of my dearest friends ellis paul's music and so they they were very keen to put his music in like all their movies. So uh, hall pass. it was in that and a bunch of their movies. Ellis has songs in. Mm-hmm. And in this particular movie, there is a song of his that, um, that was in there. And he, Ellis came to me and said, look, man, I, I, cause he was on the first Billy Pilgrim sort of, uh, he was on insomniac as a singer
2: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> and he had seen us take folk music into this very commercial culture mm-hmm. and he wanted to see if, if I could produce this song in such a way that it would read as more commercial
2: mm-hmm.
1: in cause he had this opportunity at the big moment in this movie <laughs> for, you know, the, the, the characters deciding whether to stay or go and, You know, this was the the big turn, right? And he'd never really. And at the time in the 90s, if you had a song in a movie like this, it could break you. It could be the thing in your career. So he was like, man, can you help me? You're the only guy I know that can like do it. So uh, I'm going to play. I've paired the song that I wrote with Ellis and Connie Harrington, which has put a dent in it, with a song that I produced for Ellis. Um, that you may or may not know th- about me. And I, lo- I kind of like the things that you may or may not know about me. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's the pairing today is um, are those two songs. And I'm, it, it means that I'm going to sit around and talk about Ellis Paul for a little bit. But um, I love that because I love him. Very good. Also, yeah. first first lesson of, of today's podcast, besides shoes and psychics, is uh, Ellis Paul is not his real name. Oh, it's Paul Plessy, Mm -hmm. and he named himself Ellis Paul because he thought Paul Plessy wasn't gonna work. Why not? Didn't really sound like a rock star.
0: Well, okay then. And uh, let's
1: just curve that for northeastern folk star with ambitions of rock stardom, maybe. Sure. I'm not sure he ever really had rock ambition. I think those are maybe I projected a lot of ambition onto him because they wanted him to be even huge. So, um, but uh, one of my dearest friends, oldest friends, I respect this guy. Uh, even when I went to Bobby Drennan, the psychic, um, mm-hmm. and asked him about Ellis at some point. And he said, oh, wow, you got anything of his that I can hold in my hand? I said, oh, we actually I have a pick. Because it was mm-hmm. one of Ellis's picks. He, goes, he held it in his hand. He looked at me. He said, wow. And I was like, what? And he's like, he's like, if you had a hundred thousand songwriters in front of you, he'd be one in a hundred thousand. Like this guy is like Dylan level. Good. Mm-hmm. His career is going to be unbelievable. You should write songs with him. I was like, well, I do. I, I write songs a lot, but it, it was really shocking to me to hear that. So I've always had a, a not just my own confidence, but I've also had that weird kind of right. spooky, um, you know, from the other side. Right. Psychic confidence in Ellis walking into the country music space. Cause this is all the culture of songwriting. And he comes from the Boston world of songwriting, which exists not because anyone's ever going to sing your song. it exists because you're going to sing your song. Right. And you need to write a better song. So those are the, what's the world up there. It's like, um, uh, right now it's Lori McKenna is your Boston songwriter, but, if you go back in time, there was a band called The Story. There was um you could go back in time even further. There like Greg Brown, um, the world of Cliff Eberhart, the there are these like Boston songwriters that when you, you track it back, it goes back to James Taylor. Like, these people are unreal. And they're they're very specific with the word choices. Mm-hmm. And they are, um, they, it all revolves, you know, like in Atlanta, it revolves around Eddie's attic In in Boston, it revolves around a a club called Passim. If you could mm-hmm. get a gig at Passim, you were big deal. You're Joan Baez level. Cool. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, <laughs> I've never played there <laughs> <laughs> goals, but Ellis plays New Year's Eve there Ooh. every year. And that's how good he is. Right. Um, so I invite, I'd invited him, I don't know, a number of years ago to Nashville to write. And I put him in on all my co-writes for two days or something. Mm-hmm. And one of the days was he and myself and Connie Harrington right here, like on the floor above where we're standing, we're sitting right now uh-huh. at the corner of a table. And he was to my left and she was to my right. And I was talking to them about the emotional space of being nervous to try to fall in love again oh. as a man then in my late forties, early fifties. Right.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, thing, I guess I was late forties cause I, I wrote that before pandemic. Um, and, and I was just concerned about it. I was like, I don't even know how to do it. You know, I'm not, a am not a dating app guy who you're going to say, you're going to type in your name. like no somebody's gonna look at me like oh no you're just using the picture of the guy from sugarland you know i can't i can't do that right um and you know how safe is that that's not safe sounds like a music video to me oh god easy paisley Mm -hmm. um but I, i in the conversation ellis and and connie are both older than me um and One of the things that we decided was one of the qualities of um, the attractive qualities of something now to Mm -hmm. someone our age is something that was um, already broken in, right? Nobody wants a new blue jean jacket. Right. I mean, you might, but not really. No. You can't, even if it looks kind of new, you want it to have been broken in right right, and then we started sort of going down that road and immediately I started hearing the two of them speak in lyrics <laughs> <laughs> and I was like we gotta start writing this down because what I'm hearing from you I can me- like melodies fall into my brain so we wrote this song put called Put a Dent in It mm-hmm. and um, I'm not sure either of them thought that I would record it much less track it much less it would end up being on a record but I was fascinated because Connie Harrington wrote, you know, she's a song of the year writer. Right. Right. She's won CMAs for her writing. And she's a methodical writer that is both, she both phrases particularly, but also she's very intentional about the words. And I was like, if you and Ellis were both on a song, would I have the perfect words? Is that possible? (laughs) Like I was just kind of thinking of the gumbo that might be made. And I just felt like I was catching phrases that were falling onto my paper from my right and to my left at my own table Mm -hmm. and just trying to write them down fast enough and put them in the right order. And, oh my gosh. And they were like, well, how does that go? I'm like, well, well, it goes like this. And I just started playing. They were like, oh, Mm -hmm. so uh, before we go any further, let's listen to the song. Let's do it. In case, you know, psychically you've already predicted how it's going to go, I'm giving it to you now. This is uh, Put a din in It from uh, the last song on 52.
2: New love, scared to death of it. No doubt about it, we can sure make a mess of it. It's been a while since I've been in it. What do you say we take a spin in it? Gonna save it, but what the hell? This bottle ain't gonna drink itself. Night is young, and I use the end with it. Baby, what do you say? We put a den in it. Let's break some ice with it. Stop thinking.
0: That's pretty fun. And
1: I tell you, those lyrics are really tight, even though I like I turned it into like, obviously, what sounds like a Bruce Springsteen song, right? <laughs> um, but yeah, and, and, and might I just add and reiterate, it's uh, the last song on 52, New Blue, not yes. on all of it. I still have, according to math, 14 more to go.
0: Yes, and math that's for me to know
1: and everyone else to find out
0: maths are very important <laughs> so uh
1: two of the probably most interesting successful lyricists from two completely different genres yes. and and i i happen to know that there's another song that this particular concoction of writers is going to have on 52 coming up really yes because i'm the one who chooses well there you have it what is it uh, it's called "If I Could Be" is mm-hmm. the name of the song, and it's a, it's a very beautiful song. Um, but I I, I just kind of love what Ellis does. I, um, uh, <laughs> he's also in in a strange way the only person that has ever written a song with my name in it. <laughs> right? Because he met me when I was twenty four or something. Twenty-five. I'm staying out of my apartment, and well, here I'll play you some of it. Hold on. Okay. And this is a good representation of Ellis Paul.
3: You can listen to Christian when he's down in the subways, playing the platforms for old friends he don't know. Some hide in their papers, some sip one last cup of coffee, some just look away, so their eyes don't show. It's getting late, the city's half asleep. Pretty cool, right? Well, Christian climbs the stairs like he's crossing a river wide and deep. Throws his coat out of sofa, reaches for the neck of his guitar.
1: So that's what Alice's voice sounds like. It's also kind of weird to have like your own name in a song and you're, it's like your buddy. And he didn't tell me. He just did it. And it was the first song in his record. And I was like, what are you doing?
0: <laughs> so you just listened to his record and found it? yeah so
1: yeah he, he he and I produced some of the stuff on that record,
0: well, he was trying to trap you, you see because he would know if you did not listen to it because yes, that was true yeah, no, he was trying to trap you,
1: but see uh, it was one of the ideas that in when that happened later on in in surely in life when I missed my friend Joey, mm-hmm. I put his name into all sorts of songs just because I missed him, yeah, and it none of it was really about him, right, It was just joey adjacent but if we just needed a name for something because a lot of time writers just say what's your favorite name right now you know or well we need a name for this person i'd be like joey is always joey right i'm not sure ellis would have worked anyway it's not even his real name right right but um uh yes and i've always loved his voice right and uh when james bay had his big old hit i was like ellis nailed it out of the oh that's not him (laughs) because i was like oh it's exactly your voice how did we like it was i've been so wishing him commercial success for so long and it's just not been a priority like he's been very true to his folk nature that's great and his his audience and he now he kind of leads that entire genre like he he helps everyone below him and respects everyone above him in that world. And, um, and it has become the art of songwriting that is not Nashville commercial songwriting, which has become more popular now. Oh, for sure. Because, you know, I still insist American idols, one who broke that one because it was like old people on a sofa with their, you know, remote control in their hands going, uh, Hey man, that's a great voice, but that's the wrong song for her. You know, like how in the world would you ever think that that's possible? Like you're treating it like it's football.
0: <laughs> you are treating it like it's football, and
1: and then and then it, what happened is suddenly America realized that the people who sing the songs aren't the people who wrote them. Right, and that became like a whoo. If
0: I was a psychic, I'd have seen that coming. <laughs> I don't even know that they that they know that now. I don't know that they put that much thought into it. You know, I think that it's just like dad standing in the kitchen singing that song you heard on the radio. I don't know that he thinks about who wrote it or even particularly these days thinks about who's singing it because they don't really talk about it that much. Right. You know, I mean, you've got to want to know that information to find out. They're not just going to spoon feed it to you anymore. Much.
1: Not, Not as much.
0: But now we
1: live in a life. I was just talking to somebody about this the other day where, what do they call it? you're two screening or or it used to be backgrounding like are you backgrounding me like i'd be on the phone with you and mm-hmm. i could hear like tick, 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 like you're typing something in a computer while you're talking to me so you're not really paying attention to me but now it's very common and this is mind blowing to me
0: mm-hmm.
1: to have the television on yeah like a computer or an iPad or whatever in your a tablet in your in your in your, your lap yeah And your phone. Of course. So if you see someone on the screen, uh, uh, let's say it's the biggest screen, the television screen, right? And you're like, huh, I wonder what, what else is that actor in? I've seen them before. And you're just typing that in. That's true. Right? And then, and or you're checking your email or also you're scrolling through one of your like feeds on one of your social media things, all that could be happening at the same time. Yeah, we all have ADD now. Well, we just have, we're processing multiple screens worth of information. Maybe you always were, and now this is the outward sign of it. But I i think if, if you're asking yourself, am I one of these people? I would ask you simply, are you watching with closed captions?
2: Sometimes. Like,
1: do you... Just so that if you didn't hear everything that was on the screen, you're reading it.
0: Well, I do that because I lost part of my hearing, I think, at a I'm kiss show. I'm not talking
1: about you. At I'm a what saying? show? Kiss. Isn't that a badge of honor? Isn't that a part of the like, did you get a sticker for that? Is that no. like Or a pen? <laughs> yeah.
0: They set off pyrotechnics by my head. I didn't know that was going to happen.
1: Oh, it wasn't the bass guitar.
0: No, it was fire. It was fire. It was fire. Yeah. Oh, I'm
1: sorry. Which year is it?
0: Uh, that one. Okay. And it's not all sounds. It's just like low, mumbly talkers. I'll remember that
1: next time we have like a dinner seating. <laughs> Make sure I'm on the good side. Make sure you're on
0: the good. Or not, depending on yeah. what you want.
1: <laughs> um. All right. Uh, I, I'm going to try to set up this next song by giving you a reminder. A little bit uh, because it might have been in the past for you. You know, I'm not going to keep it in the hard drive in the front of your brain. Mm -hmm. Uh, And there's nothing wrong with that. But uh, the the movie Me, Myself and Irene. Yes. Is what this song appeared in. Mm -hmm. And uh, really what prompted, I think, Ellis to reach out and go, hey, man, so uh, can you help me on this commercial thing? They picked this song and I just don't think the recording is what it needs to be Mm -hmm. to be if if by chance this is like my big break i want to make sure that it sounds great on the radio mm-hmm. so he was asking me as a producer not as a writer right a friend of his and uh, me myself and irene um it uh this is a a, a fairly brothers farley brothers uh starring jim carrey and renee Z- renee zellweger remember miss chesney yes and um it came out in uh, 2000 and uh uh it opened, uh, it was number one on the weekend of June 23rd of 2000. Very good. Uh, and it made $24 million on its first weekend. It eventually earned $90 million in the U S that's amazing. Uh, for a total of 140 to 9 million worldwide, which means a lot of people saw it. Sure. And probably still do. And it is a, (laughs) it is a silly funny film, uh, about a state trooper. Um, and uh, it, it's pretty hilarious. And it's Jim Carrey at his Jim Carriest, uh, in my opinion. And the the soundtrack had uh, some amazing stuff on it. XTC, the Foo Fighters, Schma- Smash Mouth, Third Eye Blind, The Offspring, Wilco, uh, even a terrible Hootie and the Bluefish song, if you ask me. Uh, but they're there. Brian <laughs> Setzer's there. The Push Stars, which is another band that I think that the, that the directors loved. Uh, marvelous three, which is Butch Walker's band. If nobody remembers that, that's a great band. Yeah. Uh, Ben folds, uh, Pete Yorn. Um, anyway, so all this and Ellis Paul was on this as the featured biggest song on it. So if you think about all those names and you think about, you know, the year 2000s, the nineties are still kind of bleeding into the two thousands. Um, this was about two years or a year and a half before I started Sherryland oh wow right so get Mm -hmm. that in your head okay and uh, i had been asked to produce this song and um it it really has become one of the most well-known of ellis's songs uh i think because of this movie um i i i mean if you were to ask me to send you a playlist of ellis paul songs i'm such a dork fan that i would include a lot of other things including this song Uh, But I wouldn't necessarily start with it, but we're going to start with it here because I think a lot of listeners, if you're not aware of Ellis or his voice or his control of being able to tell a story, um, this is a really great place to start. So um, uh, this is Ellis Paul, The World Ain't Slowing Down. I found you sitting on
3: a suitcase crying Beneath my feet, I feel the rumble of a subway train I laugh out loud cause it's the one thing I hadn't been trying The train came in breathless, you looked at me restless Said baby, you'll never change, you gotta get i no. All your karma came Thanks for the vision And the 2020 wisdom It hit me like
2: Pretty cool. The
1: 90s are strong in that recording. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you put it in your head the right way, five years before, right, in 95, uh, and I guess in also 94, um, Andrew and I had had two, four, four actually, number one AAA songs. Yeah. So we were in the batch of, but not as popular as, but... A, You know, we we were already somewhat crowned as people who can do AAA music, um, and uh, so that makes total sense as to why I would have put that in there, (laughs) because we would have we recorded that probably a year slightly before it came the movie came out, so we would have recorded that in '98. So that's awesome. Pretty cool voice, right?
0: Oh yeah, for sure.
1: I don't think there's anybody else who sounds like
2: Ellis.
0: No, and for some reason, and I don't have an explanation for it, but when I heard his voice on that song, it's like, oh, that makes sense with a Jim Carrey movie. I don't know. There's like something. Oh, really? Like that- kind of. Um, I don't know. Maybe whimsical, almost yeah. playful. He has a playful? very he has
1: yeah. a he has a high voice. So for men, there're not a lot of men who have high
0: voices, right?
1: And it was very popular in the early 80s. So, like, Sting had a really high voice, and so did um, the second singer for Genesis. It was Phil Collins. Yeah. Right? Phil Collins had a solo career, and he had a very high voice. Um, it wasn't really until you got into the world of, like, Eddie Vedder in the '90 early 90s that you had baritone voices. Right. Anywhere other than, like, Depeche Mode or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like there weren't a lot of low male voices in pop or or even new a new new rock. Yeah, there were in country music at the time. So George Strait was still singing low songs. Although he has a sort of a mid range tenor voice. Yeah, which I always forget. But um, yeah. you know Randy Travis has a really low voice. Hmm people like that in the country space but the opposite isn't really true who do you think the highest country singers are as men
0: shane mooney
1: yeah but he was like not born yet
0: brian white
1: okay yeah brian has a really high voice yeah but there weren't a lot of those either no so i guess it's a uh it's a it's a rather rare commodity yeah as a as a male singer to have a really high voice. Yeah. I, I guess Gary Lavox had a high voice.
0: Well, but that was that was early two thousands.
1: Yeah. Which would have been around the same time.
0: Yeah. Gary right? yeah, Gary Gary has range. For some reason I was thinking about Larry Stewart from Restless Heart. He doesn't have a low voice, but he doesn't particularly have a high voice either. It's right. more that yeah. I wonder I
1: wonder if that the the popularity of High voice men is cyclical. Maybe. Maybe it like it it comes and goes and comes and goes and comes and goes. I I happen to like the opposite. I like the contralto female voice. Mm-hmm. I like the low female voice. Like um Katie from Mona has the low oh, Mona. voice. Uh, Jennifer Nettles, mm-hmm. my my singing partner, has a very low female voice. She can get down pretty far. Um right now Winona. Yeah, It has a very low voice and I love it, and uh, I guess uh, uh, that's what I love about um, Melissa Etheridge. She mm-hmm. has a, a super low, gravelly voice that she can get down to. I think it's kind of cool to me. Yeah, uh, and it, it typically means people who can sing that low also have the same notes high above. There's a there's a complete wives' tale that if you can whistle it, you can sing the octave. Oh which I'm not sure that's possible because I can whistle some things I cannot sing, Right. but uh I can sing the octave down from it. But on good days I can have a, well, not good days on days where I'm perfectly tired. Mm-hmm. It's usually day after a big singing day. Yeah. I have a beautiful low voice and I still have my falsetto. So I have this like weird range. Mm-hmm. Um And I think that might be true for, It'd be fun to ask somebody like a Chris Young or something like who's a voice-trained human.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Like, in school, did they teach you this?
0: We could just call him. I'm
1: I'm not. He's probably playing a video game. Oh, my God. We'd have to interrupt that. That or a podcast.
0: we will text him and be like, see (laughs) why. KB
1: and I have a question. Exactly. Uh, So, here at the end of 52 New Blue, do you feel... um, And also, did you... Did you hear in uh, uh, "Put a Dent in It"? The actual words "New Blue" were in that last song. There's a little mm-hmm. bit of a Easter egg in there. But when I was looking for the title for the album, I went through a lot of possibilities because you know this thing kind of switched on me.
0: Right. It I, wasn't.
1: It, it didn't go. It according was going to be plan. a love record, and then it. Then I was like, "Why are all these coming together this way?" And then I was like, "Oh, it's very '90s ish." Like, I'm using all the things I learned in the 90s. Yeah. And instead of trying to hide them, I should embrace them. Yeah. Uh, And then when I went looking for a title, I I used one of the very 90s skills I learned, which is go through the lyric of every song and see if you find a lyric. And when I got to that last song, there's a lyric in there. that says, knock off the new blue uh, and put a ding in it about a car. Mm Mm-hmm. And I was like, new blue. I was like, I wonder if anybody, because one of the things I I get excited about is typing in these things, to the internet, to see if anybody's named an album, new blue. Yeah. And of course nobody had, but what it popped up was this story. Right. About the invention of a new chemical pigment for blue and that it hadn't been innovated in 300 years. I was like, geez, who are we? Like, I, I mean, I guess you can't improve the Reese's peanut butter cup.
0: Well, no. People try.
1: Uh, uh, but 300 years from now, I hope you've invented something that's like chocolate and peanut butter plus something else. But, um. You know, they put potato chips in it recently. They did? Yeah. You want to know something really funny? What's that? I told my kids when they were tiny, mm-hmm. their Reese's peanut butter cups were called daddy chocolates. <gasps> So, well, that they wouldn't, that. so that they wouldn't eat them and they would leave them for me
0: i think you're going to hell for that and no i don't i think no. like you're depriving no, you no i think the only the time you really happy.
1: get in trouble with your kids is if you tell them like the salt is the pepper and the pepper is the salt and you see how long it goes <laughs> hmm. did you ever have any parent
0: games like that
1: no oh you missed out man well there's still time they're almost teenagers you can like
0: oh can be I thought like, you meant did my parents do that to me yeah no they did did you do anything to your kids well it were things like my, my stepchild um, I mean all my kids are picky but the stepchild took the brunt of it because I didn't have kids yet yeah, they you know they weren't mine and so it was things like couldn't get them to eat anything but chicken so my mother-in-law called pork ODP for old dead pig Now, the child would not eat pork if you called it pork, but would eat ODP for old dead pig. Did not like sweet potatoes or pumpkin, but would eat fall pancakes, which were pumpkin pancakes, (laughs) even though it's so good. They did not like. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And my daughter right now is. Now wait a minute. How old's your daughter again? Right now, my daughter's thirteen. That was my stepchild. Yeah, I
1: know. But yeah. your daughter's thirteen. Well, you can tell her that French kissing gets you pregnant.
0: She knows better. I had to buy a <laughs> book about it.
1: I had to buy a book about it.
0: Um, but no, there
1: are some things you can do to just sort of like prolong the inevitable, but give yourself
0: entertainment while you're going through it.
1: Oh my gosh! <laughs> yeah, no,
0: she's she has access to the internet. That's
1: yeah, no. Well, in the world of uh uh of Pairing songs today. I'm very glad that I got to introduce you to Ellis Paul. Yes. And um, as a person who loves songwriting so much. I do. He is definitely someone that uh, on glass of wine night, which obviously you never have because you don't drink at all. But when your cousins bring you wine, uh, that is in air quotes, um, (laughs) and you want to sit and really have a, a, a beautiful moment i will tell you you can work yourself up to his masterpiece which i consider this song angel in manhattan
0: oh
1: and uh if you can get there it, it's worth it and it's almost six minutes long but it is is absolutely genius All right. so um and then you can always pay attention you can see I, I i typically write two or three songs on each record with him uh i think most recently this one that hasn't come out yet is going to be called uh California, Golden California.
0: Golden California.
1: Not all the Golden California, which is reserved well, yeah. for another song, which I dearly love. But um, Do you? Oh, I love that song. I just got to be careful telling Larry Gatlin backstage because he'll just be like,
0: "Wah!" oh he desperately wants to write songs for the new writers yeah i know
1: we i know i'm just, just calming it down comment down you could just bit. text him be like hey, wait till the elections are over before i can put that in my in my my room i ain't even all kidding right. yeah i ain't kidding <laughs> all right well it's good to see you cindy you too take care of yourself all right until the next version of 52 all right hey everybody christian bush here Cindy Watts, and we would like to thank you for joining us for another episode of 52. If you'd like to write us with questions or comments, you can contact us at 52thepodcast at gmail.com. That is the number 52, or by leaving us a voicemail at 803-900-5252. Also, remember, the best way to help us is to give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, please and thank you. You can follow me at Christian Bush on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and you can follow Cindy at Cindy Watts on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook as well. Thank you for listening, and please join us next week.